God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. All right, so many times um, we talk about the need and the to just read Scripture. And it's because we never know when God's going to speak to us. Or something that we've read many, many times will also all of a sudden stand out in a way that had never stood out before. And that's something that's happened to me a, a few weeks ago and is the, um, and the basis of the start of this, this message. So in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Moses and Aaron went and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And as I read that, that statement, let my people go, let my people go, just kept on, it just, and I've, and I've read that so many times, but it was this time it just stood out, let my people go. So, Before I get into exactly what I felt the Lord was saying through that, I want to go through the story. What what happened up to this point in which Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh? So it starts off with Joseph, who was the son of Jacob, or Israel, who was the son of Isaac, who was son of Abraham. Now Joseph had some dreams that his brothers, his parents, would bow down and worship him, and which didn't please his brothers too much. So the whole situation started where he was sold to the Ishmaelites. And again, this was something that stood out to me for the first time, and it's not really um, critical to the, the message as much as it is the Just, again, as we read scriptures, things will pop out. And the Ishmaelites were basically the descendants of Ishmael. And Ishmael was the half-brother of his grandfather, Isaac. It never stood out to me before that he was sold to his own relatives, the half-brother of his grandfather. And Ishmael was cast out because his mother was a slave. So... He was sold into bondage to those in bondage. But again, it's just kind of a sidebar how the fact that the Word of God will, will stand out to us in ways that never did before. So I do encourage that we all continue just to, to be in the Word on a regular basis. But back to the story. So the Ishmaelites brought him down to Egypt, and he was sold into Potiphar's house. Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the guard. But Scripture tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. Even though he was sold into slavery, God was with him. And the Lord blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. And Potiphar recognized the fact that God, God was with him and that all that he had was blessed. And he put him over his entire house. But the problem is that uh, Potiphar's wife desired to be with Joseph. And in Genesis 39, 8-9, to 
it says, but he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is in, <clears throat> what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. Now then, how can I do this great witness and sin against God? Joseph didn't say that he was going to sin against Potiphar. He said that he would sin against God. So even though he was a slave, he didn't say, God, you're not taking care of me, so I'm not serving you. He's like, this is what my God wants me to do. This would be sinning against my God, and I will not do it. But unfortunately, one day that Potiphar wife and Joseph were alone in the house, that she grabbed at him in his garment, and he ran away and left the garment behind. <clears throat> and she lied and said that Joseph was attacking her, which angered Potiphar. And he put, her, he put Joseph into the prison where the king's prisoners were sent. But again, the Lord was with Joseph. And he showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the prison's keeper. Again, Joseph prospered. He was sold into slavery. He prospered. He was thrown into jail. He prospered. God was with him everywhere he went. But note that he was put into the prison where the king's prisoners were sent. Again, something that stood out to me for the very first time. What if he was thrown into the common prison? He never would have had that faithful meeting with the cupbearer and the baker. But he was thrown into the prison where the king's prisoners were kept. God was continually watching over him and directing him, guiding to the place that he needed to be to have the interaction with who God needed him to be with. So now both the cupbearer and the baker had dreams that no one can interpret. But Joseph explained to them that God is the interpreter of dreams. So first he interprets the cupbearer's dream and explains the dream that it means that he will be restored to Pharaoh and to remember him when he's restored to Pharaoh so that because he has done nothing to be worthy of it being in this prison. Which emboldens the, the baker with the good news that the cupbearer got and he explains and tells his dream and, and Joseph says... Your dream is the fact that you're going to be executed. Now, both of these interpreta interpretations were fulfilled, but the cupbearer forgot Joseph. Finally, Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret. And the cupbearer finally remembered the fact that Joseph was in prison and Joseph was able to interpret the dreams that he and the baker had and that they came to pass that his interpretations were correct. So he told Pharaoh about Joseph and, Joseph and Pharaoh brought Joseph to him to interpret his dreams. Now, Joseph explained that the dreams that he had represented the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. That the seven years of famine were going to be so severe that they were going to wipe out the seven years of plenty. And Joseph also explained to Pharaoh a plan 
to prepare for the seven years of famine. So Pharaoh, not seeing anyone greater than Joseph, in whom God was blessed, appointed Joseph to oversee his own plan. And therefore Joseph became second in command over the nation of Egypt. So in the seven years of plenty, Joseph stored up so much grain that it was immeasurable. They kept tracking for years and years, and finally it was like, we have so much we can't even keep track anymore. It wasn't even worth keeping track. But then the seven years of famine started, and everyone in Egypt and all the countries around came to Joseph for grain. And it was in the second year of the famine when Joseph brought all of his father's house down to Egypt to provide for them. He brought them into the land of Goshen, and the Goshen meaning a safe land of plenty and comfort. In Acts chapter 7, verse 5 and 6, it gives us a, a little bit more information about this time in Israel, or this time in Egypt. And God gave to him no inheritance, speaking of Abraham, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them for 400 years. So the book of Acts tells us that the children of Israel are going to be in Egypt for 400 years. Now Joseph was either a slave or in prison for about 13 years. He was about 17 when he was sold into slavery. He was about 30 when he became the prime minister in Egypt. When the famine ended, Joseph would have been about 44 years old. The scriptures tell us that Joseph was 110 years old when he died. So he lived 66 more years in Egypt and saw Ephraim's, his child's third generation. Even at the end of his life, he was still holding on to God's promise that Abraham had received. In Genesis chapter 50, 24, 26. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So after Joseph died, the children of Israel would have stayed in Egypt for over 300 more years, many generations. Their bondage would become a way of life. It would seem normal. Generation after generation, we've been in bondage. It's just the way it is. But in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 and 24, it says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, 
Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. When did the slavery start? How many years after Joseph died would this new king come into power that didn't remember Joseph? I mean, we know it was more than 80 years because Moses was born, they were being persecuted, and they were in bondage at that point in time. And he lived for 40 years in Egypt, 40 more years in the desert before he came back for deliverance. But how long did they put up with the bondage that they were in? How long did it take for them to cry out? Now, we are not the children of Israel. We're not in bondage of slavery like they were in, a, in another country. God had already fulfilled the promise to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. But the fact is, we also have a promise. In Luke chapter 4, 17, <clears throat> This Jesus, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of the sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the fact is, we do have a worse bondage than the children of Israel. For Jesus said in John chapter 8, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And again, continue on in verse 36, We have one greater than Moses to set us free. He says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now the children of Israel, after they were even released from bondage and they were in the wilderness heading towards the promised land, some were tempted to return. In Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 and 6, it says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving, so that the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. They had forgotten the bondage that they were under. There's times where I wonder, do we, do we forget the bondage that we were under? Do we think about the niceties of this world and it tries to draw us back into bondage where we came from? 
Or will we be like Joseph, that no matter what comes into our lives, what are difficulties that we are faced with, that we will hold true to Jesus during that time? Are we gone to the point where we, we see the sins of our society as normal? as the children of Israel saw the bondage as this is just the way life is. Do we really even see them as sin anymore? The calling that God has to us in Second Chronicles 7.14, He says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and forgive their sin, and heal their land. As we had our prayer list today, praying for family and kids, praying for lost ones, praying for neighbors, I was amazed because this is the closing. Do we feel the pain of bondage or does it seem normal to us now? Do we want to be completely free? We need to pray. Do our family members feel the pain of bondage or does it seem normal to them? We need to pray for them. Do our friends feel the pain of bondage or does it seem normal to them? We need to pray for our friends. Do our neighbors feel the pain of bondage and the darkness of this world? Or does it just seem normal to them? Is this life now? We need to pray for them. God still has a people He wants to set free. That is why the cry let my people go, still needs to be prayed today. So as we continue to pray for the children that have walked away, for the children that maybe have never known, for the youth in our school, the colleges, and whether somebody is, is bound in the prison of sin or the prison of sickness, we need to pray. We need to ask God to set them free. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you. Lord, we come before you. We ask you, God, to set them free. We ask you, Lord, to call them out of the darkness of this world, that they would come into your marvelous light. Lord Jesus, let us not forget. Set my people free. Let my people go. Let us serve you. Let us praise you. Let us surrender every aspect of our life. Let us take up our cross and let us follow you completely. Let us not be deceived by the craftiness of this world. Let us not be deceived to the lies, but let us hear your truth. Let us hear your voice. And let us follow your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
For more information, visit glbcdt.org.